0: and welcome once again to another episode of the sports beat with Richard Holdridge how is everybody doing here on this Monday had such a great Thanksgiving week. I had a couple of shows last week. Just took some time off and spent time with the family to enjoy my Thanksgiving holiday. But as we get ready for this show, we've got a lot of things to talk about on the show. I'm going to have my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank on the show. We're going to recap some of these college football games. He enjoyed a nice break off and spent time with the family. But now We are back and we have got to get some shows going. Now, I just want to make an announcement on the show. The show is going back to three days a week. So I'm going to have a show today. And then I'm going to have the live show at Ivy Park that's going to air Wednesday. And then Friday is going to be my condensed, possibly final high school football show as I integrate high school basketball into that show. But we do cover a lot of sports as well including we've got to preview all the conference championships. That's going to happen Friday. We had a very busy week of sports, and to top it all off, we had the World Cup. In fact, the World Cup is going on right now. And here's my opinion about the World Cup. I love it. I know it takes a backseat to college football on Saturdays, but I was still glancing over at some of the scores. Hey, that USA-England game on Friday was a Massive game. It got a huge rating. And let's go. I I love the World Cup. We do have a great show. Going to talk about the college football playoff landscape. Falcons blow another game. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. And the city of Atlanta, let's just say they did not have a great weekend of sports as the Hawks dropped a game to the Miami Heat. A a game they should have won. I mean, that was clear from Jumpstart. All right, college football, what can I say? Unbelievable. I'm completely shocked that Ohio State blew that game to Michigan. Absolutely shocked. I'm even just as much shocked as Clemson losing to South Carolina, one of the hottest teams in college football, has won against two top ten teams, and they finished the regular season eight and four. I mean, imagine if we had the 12-game playoff. Yeah, South Carolina would get in, and they would be a team that you would not want to face. But I want to talk about Michigan and Ohio State because everything was in front of Ohio State to win this game. They were playing at the horseshoe. They were a heavy favorite. They were healthy. The weather was good. And Michigan went into the horseshoe and punched Ohio State in the mouth. Yes, that's exactly what they did. Blake Corum wasn't even in this game. He was in the game for a couple of yards, and then he exited because of an injury. Ohio State... They put seven in the box. They went zero coverage, and Michigan still punched them in the mouth. In fact, they beat Ohio State 45-23. to It's unbelievable. And the new college football rankings is going to be out on Tuesday. I would not be shocked if Michigan is the new number 1. Michigan was playing great on all levels of the football. I didn't think that J.J. McCarthy was a passer, but Ohio State said, Hey, we're going to put seven in the box. You try to throw it, and he did just that. Three touchdowns, 263 yards. Cornelius Johnson with two touchdown receptions. And then, no Blake Corm, no problem. Donovan Edwards busted loose for big runs to ice the game. And Michigan is going to play in the Big Ten championship game against Purdue. And I'm going to preview what could be the college football playoff because Ohio State has a case To get in in case chaos happens. I know everybody wants to root for chaos. I am not a fan of chaos. I would love to see TCU and USC get into this thing. Right now, if you look at the college football playoff, Georgia should be number one. Michigan should be number two. If TCU beats Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, they are going to be eh, number three. Maybe they might drop them to number four. It depends on how USC is going to face Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Now, USC lost to Utah in a two-point conversion in the regular season. Caleb Williams is starting to look like a Heisman Trophy candidate as USC punches Notre Dame in the mouth. You know, Notre Dame had a great defense. And they are coming into this game with all the momentum. But USC beats them at the Coliseum, 38-27. to And if USC beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship next week, they will get into the college football playoff. Imagine that. Lincoln Riley in his first year with the transfer portal, with all the resources at USC's arsenal. Caleb Williams comes over from Oklahoma. You have Jordan Addison coming over from Pittsburgh. And USC could play in the college football playoff. I think they're going to play Georgia in the Peach Bowl, but we shall see. I'm excited about the conference championships But then what if chaos happens? What if TCU loses? And what if USC loses? Who gets in? Right there, you have a one-loss Ohio State team that has a case because they've been playing great all year and they slip up one time to Michigan. you got a case for Ohio State. You also have a case for a two-loss Alabama team that lost on the final play in a hostile environment. So two of those losses – were at Tennessee in a hostile environment on a knuckleball field goal, and then you have them losing to LSU in Death Valley on a two-point conversion. Alabama has a case to make it into the college football playoff. Well, let's talk about Alabama because they completely dominated Auburn, and Auburn had a very good game plan. I like the play of Robbie Ashford, but the Auburn defense did not show up I said on this show last week, if Auburn beats Alabama, give the job to Cadillac Williams. I still think that Auburn is going to hire Hugh Freeze. Now, Lane Kiffin's going nowhere. He's going to stay at Ole Miss. So those rumors of Lane Kiffin going to Auburn, well, you can put them to bed. Because Auburn is more than likely going to hire Hugh Freeze. I think that's the best hire. Because Hugh Freeze can develop quarterbacks. He does a great job recruiting. And Auburn has the resources with the NIL money, with the transfer portal, to compete with Alabama and the LSUs of the world in the SEC West. and Who knows when Texas and Oklahoma gets into this conference, if Alabama and Auburn jump ship and go over to the SEC East. It's just crazy. It could happen, but I think that Auburn is going to go to Hugh Freeze. The coaching carousel was alive and well. I had to go back into the archives of my shows a year ago Because we were talking about the coaching carousel here on this show. Lincoln Riley was going to USC. Brian Kelly was going to LSU. Now we have Matt Rule going to Nebraska. We have Luke Fickle leaving a very good situation in Cincinnati. They got to the college football playoff last year. He's leaving Cincinnati to go to Wisconsin. And Willie Fritz. Willie Fritz leaving Tulane to be the next head coach at Georgia Tech. I really wanted Georgia Tech to give the job to their interim head coach Brent Key. I thought that Georgia Tech played Georgia as well as they possibly could in clean old fashioned hate. They jumped up to that 7-0 lead. Got a little nervous there for a second. I really did. I thought that it was going to be a tight game. But you know, Georgia had, you know, to make some adjustments. They only led 10-7 at the half. But Georgia put the clamps on with big runs by Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, and Georgia wins 37-14. to 14. Back-to-back years, not since 2008 and 2009, has a team finished the regular season unscathed, 12-0. And and that and is what Georgia is doing. They are taking on LSU in the SEC championship game this Saturday in Atlanta. I have plenty of time to preview this game. It should be an exciting game for the Georgia Bulldogs, I think that Georgia is going to win this game. Honestly do. They're a 17-point favorite. LSU did not do any favors losing to Texas A&M the way they did. Where was this Texas A&M team all year? Texas A&M punches them in the mouth, 38-23, to and LSU's chance for a college football playoff berth is done. Three losses is not going to get you in, even if they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. They are done. They are not going to the college football playoff. Now, if Georgia loses to LSU for some reason on Saturday, if they don't play their A game, if the passing game is just not there, we still don't know the status of A.D. Mitchell. I think that Georgia can still get into the college football playoff. Same for Michigan. I don't think Michigan's going to lose to Purdue, but I think if Michigan loses, they will remain in the college football playoff. TCU is a different story. I think that if TCU loses to Kansas State, they are out of the college football playoff. Their resume is not impressive enough, and that's where chaos could happen. What if TCU and USC both lose? Well, if USC loses, they'll have two losses, and they'll be out of the college football playoff. But if TCU loses, there's still a chance that they could sneak in, but that opens the door for Ohio State and Alabama Which begs the question, you got Tennessee and Alabama, both with identical records. Tennessee has beaten Alabama. However, Alabama is ranked ahead of Tennessee. I don't get it. I think Bama has just got a big name. And also, the College Football Playoff Committee will do whatever it takes to get either Ohio State or Alabama in this College Football Playoff because of the revenue their schools bring to the table. Nobody wants to see a Georgia-Alabama semifinal game in atlanta they might move michigan number one and georgia would have to play either ohio state i mean you could possibly see michigan and alabama and then georgia against ohio state because you do not want to see georgia and alabama and michigan and ohio state so i've got all week to preview these conference championships and hey, we got national signing day coming up then we're going to have the college football playoff selection show on december the 4th along with the bowl games Is going to be fun Stanford's David Shaw steps down after 12 seasons as their coach. His last four seasons have really been terrible. But David Shaw won 96 games at Stanford, three Pac 12 championships in 2012, 2013, and 2015. He was the coach of the year in 2017. He was the four time Pac 12 coach of the year. And David Shaw is going to get a head coaching job somewhere, if not in college the National Football League, maybe Arizona State. He might get the Houston Texans job. Uh, There are some coaches that are on the hot seat. I believe that David Shaw is the hottest coaching candidate. What he has done, I actually thought that Stanford was going to drop off after Jim Harbaugh left in 2011 for the 49ers. But David Shaw, in his first three seasons at Stanford, 11-2, 12-2, and 11-3, including three straight BCS bowl games to include a Rose Bowl victory in 2012. And he happened to do it again in 2015. I remember that year with Christian McCaffrey. The Stanford Cardinal were ranked third in the nation after a 12-2 season. And really, if you look at that 2015 Stanford football team, they lost two games. They were a game away for playing for the national championship, David Shaw did a very good job recruiting not only tight ends at Stanford, but great physical players, offensive linemen, quarterbacks. Look, I know that Andrew Luck, everybody talks about him and what Jim Harbaugh did, and David Shaw won with Jim Harbaugh's players, but that's not necessarily the case. And I think that David Shaw is going to do well wherever he goes next, whether it's college or the NFL. Moving on to the World Cup. Yeah, it is a big deal. I love just watching these games on my phone at 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, I don't really get up that early to watch the World Cup games. But Cameroon and Serbia went to a 3-3 tie. I was rooting for chaos in the group stage with Spain and Germany. Germany is right now is in last place. They have to beat Costa Rica to advance. I can't believe Costa Rica beat Japan one to nothing. Japan beat Germany two to one, and Costa Rica lost to Spain seven to nothing. I love chaos. Here's some of the upcoming games. You know, right now South Korea is playing Ghana, but you got Brazil taking on Switzerland. Brazil's going to be without Myanmar for the group stage. Can Brazil advance? Well, they already got a win; they should be able to. And Portugal is taking on Uruguay. Boy, that is a massive game between two powerhouses. And then tomorrow. The moment we've all been waiting for. At 2 p.m. on Fox, Iran taking on the United States. The United States has to win in order to advance to group stage. And Christian Pulisic is still waiting for his first World Cup goal. He already has an assist, but he got very close in that England game. And he is America's superstar. I think Timothy Adams is their best player. He is one of those players that is a leader. He's the captain, but he's also a great defensive player. And the United States is just better than Iran. They've got to get a goal. Get a goal early and then hold on. Don't let them tie. I would actually be more comfortable with them getting two goals. And then they advance. If they tie, they do not advance. Iran is going to advance out of this group stage. And it really doesn't matter what happens against England and Wales. That's going to be the game that is going to happen at the same time. And usually on that third matchup, they play at the same time, so you know people aren't scoreboard watching. National Football League, oh boy. The Atlanta Falcons did it again. One thing about this Atlanta Falcons team, I did not have any expectations from the Falcons this year. But they lose to the Washington Commanders 19-13, and they had an opportunity to win the game. You have all three timeouts. Marcus Mariota throws the ball, and it's tipped. I mean, anytime there's a tipped ball, chaos can happen, and the Commanders got the interception in the back of the end zone. And the Atlanta Falcons had an opportunity, because they had all three timeouts, to get the ball back with no timeouts with 45 seconds, and they run into the punter. So, you know, they shot themselves in the foot. I know that Marcus Mariota is not a dynamic passer. I started watching this game, and I saw Taylor Heineke just make, great passes. Marcus Mariota could not find players in space. Drake London is their best receiver, and so the commanders were on him. I still believe the Falcons' identity is to run the football, and they do a great job with Cordell Patterson and Tyler Algier. And Marcus Mariota, there was a couple times on third down that he did a RPO, and he was able to get the first down that way. This Atlanta Falcons team, there's no expectations, but I saw that game and I thought, yeah, this was a game on the road against a very good Washington Commanders team with a winning record. I know they're in last place in the NFC East, but they got something to play for. They look like a team that could make the playoffs. And what really didn't help the Falcons was they should have won this game, but the Buccaneers lost to the Browns. You had the Saints lose to the 49ers 13 to nothing. Wow. What a defensive performance by the San Francisco 49ers. Sometimes their offense just doesn't show up. The Saints defense has pretty good players. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore. It was one of those games where Jimmy Garoppolo did not look all that great. The Saints defense shut down the run game. Elijah Mitchell's going to be out for a couple of games. They shut down Christian McCaffrey. But the 49ers defense kept the New Orleans Saints out of the end zone. Always a great time when the 49ers can beat the Saints. I could just still remember that game in candlestick, the catch part three with Vernon Davis. Oh, it gives me chills. The Sunday night game, Aaron Rodgers had to leave early in that game. The Philadelphia Eagles look like the best team in the NFL. What a game. The Eagles win 40-33. They are 10-1. They are going to wrap up home field advantage. But when they get into the playoffs and they have to play – a Cowboys team, a 49ers team. They're going to compete. What I'd like to see. I'd like to see that from the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, they actually did win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. How good is Jalen Hurts? I know he's good, but if there's a defensive team that can stop the run, because the 49ers can stop the run, the Cowboys can stop the run, can Jalen Hurts, with the weapons he has, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith... Can he throw the ball over the top? I tell you what, the two best teams that it it's looking like, you know, obviously the Chiefs look great, but the Miami Dolphins. Boy, that is a massive game. I hope they flex that into the Sunday night game. The Dolphins play in the 49ers next week. It's pretty much the 49ers versus the 49ers East because what Mike McDaniel is doing, he's taking the page out of Kyle Shanahan's playbook, They are running the football, and Tua is not making the big mistake, and they play solid defense. They got Bradley Chubb over from Denver, and they have a very good ground game with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. And I forgot about the weapons that the Dolphins have with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, which is going to be a problem for the 49ers next week. I have plenty of time to preview that game and – Looking down the list of of course, you know, I've already recapped the Thanksgiving games on Friday. I mean, that was great that I had a Friday show where I could talk about the games on Thanksgiving. The Bengals beat the Titans. I think that the Bengals, you know, without Jamar Chase, still a great team, seven and four. The Browns beat the Buccaneers in overtime, twenty three to seventeen. And now the Cleveland Browns at four and seven will get Deshaun Watson back for six games. Do the Cleveland Browns run the table? Is Deshaun Watson going to make that big of a difference? Who knows? I don't think so. I think he's going to need time. The Jets, Mike White. Give him the job. Mike White throws three touchdown passes as the Jets beat the Bears 31-10. to They are in the playoff hunt. you got the Carolina Panthers beating the Denver Broncos 23-10. to You have the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was Trevor Lawrence's coming out party. He comes back. They were down 27-20 to the Baltimore Ravens. The Jaguars really giving their fans something to cheer about. Trevor Lawrence with the game-tying touchdown to Marvin Jones. And then Trevor Lawrence, the two-point conversion to Zay Jones. And the Jaguars win the game. It hurts the Baltimore Ravens because now they're tied with the Cincinnati Bengals. You have the Raiders beating the Seahawks 40-34. to This was the late game. This was a game where Josh Jacobs ran all over the field, 33 carries, 229 yards, and two touchdowns. You know, I had them on my fantasy team last year. Oh, man, I wish I had them this year. Uh, the Raiders get a big win. The Raiders are still a good team. They do have something to play for. It really helps the 49ers because now the Seahawks are 6-5 and five, and the 49ers have sole possession of the NFC West. Unbelievable. The big uh, game that was the game of the week in primetime, it was not a game at all. Kansas City beats the Rams 26-10. to Without Matthew Stafford, the Rams look like a team that's 3-8. and Stafford might shut it down for the rest of the season. The Rams could possibly go 3-14. and Then the Lions would get their pick. Can you believe that? What a big one-hit wonder the Rams have been. They sacrificed everything. To get the Super Bowl win. Which rightfully so. I would have done the same thing. But now you really set your team back. For years to come. And it's going to be hard to recover. It really is. I actually thought that the Seahawks did a good job recovering. Moving on from Russell Wilson. Because they actually hit. On all five of their rookies. They showed a graphic on the TV. That showed five of their rookies making production this year, including two offensive linemen, which were always the problem in Seattle, and that's why Russell Wilson was running for his life. You have the Chargers beating the Cardinals to keep their playoff hopes alive, and you have the Dolphins beating the Texans thirty to fifteen. The NFL is so incredible. I mean, you have a game that's really hard to watch tonight. The Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Indianapolis Colts, led by their interim head coach Jeff Saturday. Hey, he already has a win. I mean, his coaching experience, he coached in high school in Georgia. Speaking of Georgia high schools, wow, you like that segue? I got to tell you, when I have my high school football show on Friday, I will recap all these games. But we have a championship game in Alabama between Auburn and Thompson. Can Auburn win their first ever state title on Wednesday? Or is Thompson going to 4 Pete And Auburn does have the home field advantage at Jordan-Hare Stadium for that game. Congratulations to the St. Ampicelli Vikings. I had athletic director and the basketball coach, Corey Black, on the show Friday as we were talking about that game against Brookstone. They win it in overtime. Incredible win. I will cover that. And they're in the state title game in Macon against Stratford Academy. They have a chance to win their first ever state title. Troop County advances. They are going to be in Savannah this Friday night, taking on the defending state champion, Benedictine. And Callaway and Carver season comes to an end. Congratulations on both the Callaway Cavaliers and the Carver Tigers for having an incredible season. And Shiloh County is still in the mix for the semifinals. Don't forget, I will have all that on my high school football show This Friday afternoon from 2 to 3 now. I love this time slot. NBA action. You know I love the NBA. I I just i am scratching my head on the Hawks. First, they lose to the Houston Rockets, a team that's only won three games. They lose when they had a lead. They squandered a lead. And then they squander a lead against the Miami Heat. They lose 106 to 98. The Miami Heat had stars. It was only a matter of time. Bam Adebayo scored 32 points. They have... Jimmy Butler. They have Kyle Lowry. This was the same team that went to the NBA Finals in 2020. You know, they have players off the bench. This is the same team that beat the Hawks in the first round of the NBA playoffs last year when the Hawks won their two games to get out of the playing games to actually make it into the playoffs. And the heat has always been the Hawks' Achilles heel, even when they're playing in Atlanta. Doesn't get easier for the Hawks as they will be on the road in Philly where Joel Embiid could just go off. He could score 50 again, and the Sixers are 11-9. They look like a team that could use a win right here. The Hawks are going to have some growing pains. I just think that they need a defensive stopper. They need a consistent defensive stopper. DeAndre Hunter is good, but I don't know if he is that all-star defensive stopper that could shut down like a Bam Adebayo who went off yesterday with 32 points. Looking around at the other games in the NBA as the Golden State Warriors they get a win over the Timberwolves I think the Warriors are starting to turn the corner and they're going to start to play together same with Brooklyn I think that Brooklyn is starting to play together as they got some very good production from Seth Curry who's always been an underrated player I liked him when he was with the Sixers did a great job in the playoffs the Boston Celtics just continue to win. They have the best record in the NBA. They're 16-4. and four. It doesn't matter who their head coach is. They have players everywhere, including their two all-stars, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but they have Derek White. Marcus Smart is a great point guard who can stop you on the defensive side of the ball. They have the Williams brothers, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, and they have the savvy veteran in the middle, Al Horford. I think the Boston Celtics are going to win the NBA championship. Now, they had an opportunity to win it last year. I think that they could have gone toe-to-toe with the Warriors, but the Warriors had the home court, which really helped them. The Boston Celtics, if they get home court, I think that the Boston Celtics could win the NBA championship this year. Now, all you Lakers fans, I know you're excited about the Lakers' current winning streak. You know, they beat the Spurs, well, for three times. I don't know who is creating the schedule. They beat them three times. The Lakers have won two straight. They're 7-11. LeBron returned to the lineup, scored 39 points. Anthony Davis looks healthy. The Lakers are still a borderline playoff team. Look, when you rattle off a bunch of wins against a bunch of bad teams, it does not make you a good team. I think if the Lakers play elite teams, they're going to have their hands full. All right, college basketball. You know, I even watch college basketball over the weekend the Alabama Crimson Tide beating the North Carolina Tar Heels 103-101 to in overtime. North Carolina, they lose two games over the weekend. They're going to fall in the rankings. They lose to Iowa State. I actually was watching that game. And then Auburn gets a win over St. Louis, 65-60. to Auburn, 7-0. Great basketball program. What a job that Bruce Pearl has done with the Auburn Tigers. And I think that they are – Really one of the best teams in the SEC. And how about the Georgia Bulldogs? Mike White. They are 5-2 and two after beating East Tennessee State 62-47. to The Georgia Bulldogs will take on Hampton. Now they did lose to UAB uh, last Tuesday, but they do have a very good team. I think that what Georgia has done in Mike White, they have two winnable games. They could actually eclipse... Their win total from last year. So the expectations for Georgia, just win all your non-conference games, or as many as you can against the teams you're supposed to beat, and that will be a respectable season. And maybe they could sneak into the NIT if they have at least 15, 16 wins. I mean, that's the expectations right now at the University of Georgia. Georgia Tech is foreign 2 You know, I look at Georgia Tech and what Josh Passner is doing. He's got to make the NCAA tournament. They have a tough task against a ranked Iowa Hawkeyes team this Tuesday. They did beat North Alabama, but they lost two games in the Fort Myers tip-off. And Georgia Tech, they've got to start rolling here in college basketball. I want to talk about the Columbus River Dragons and the weekend they had. They are rolling. The Columbus River Dragons look like the best team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. And they are. They have the best record in the league. They sweep the Mississippi Sea Seawolves you know, in Mississippi on Thanksgiving Day and on Black Friday, and then they come back to the Columbus Civic Center and they get in a very impressive win over the Mississippi Sea Wolves. The River Dragons are led by their leading goal scorer, Alex Storjehan, and they just look incredible. A 10-game win streak. For the Columbus River Dragons. They beat Mississippi on Saturday, 7-2, and they will take on the Danbury Hat Tricks, the second best team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League this Saturday at the Columbus Civic Center. Only one game this Saturday. And then they will be on the road on Friday, December the 9th, to take on the Port Huron Prowlers. So there's an opportunity to go to a game. Corey and I went to the game a couple of weeks ago when Columbus was taken on Port Huron. Look at this record. The Columbus River Dragons, 12-1 and with 35 points. Danbury with 33 points. They are 12-0-1, an overtime loss. And the Columbus River Dragons, a 10-game win streak. Unbelievable. Congratulations to the team and what they are doing. And now I'm going to look at the leading goal scorers on the Columbus River Dragons. Alex Dorjahan. what can I say about this guy? 11 goals. He's leading the team with 20 points. Jacob Kelly coming out of nowhere with 19 points. He's got eight goals and 11 assists. Then you got Austin Doe with 19 points. He's leading the team with 14 assists. Cody Wickline with 15 points. And then Jay Krupp with 14 points. He's got six goals and eight assists. So the River Dragons are doing it with their veteran players, and they're doing it with the newcomers. Looking forward to seeing that game against the Danbury Hatricks. You can always listen to the game on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. Also the home of LaGrange basketball. LaGrange College doing great so far. We're going to start with the Lady Panthers. They were able to get the victory over Oglethorpe Sunday afternoon in the Mariotti Gymnasium, 69 to 65. And don't look now, but they will take on Ashbury at home this Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. You can always catch every game of the Lagrange College Panthers and Lady Panthers on WQEE. Lagrange College is four and two on the season. So good luck to the Lady Panthers. And I'm looking at this schedule. LaGrange College, Panthers, they get the win on the road against the Mississippi University for Women, 70-67, to and they are 4-2 on the year, led by Brashard Edwards putting up a basket. They will travel to Birmingham Southern, and they will take on the Panthers of Birmingham Southern on Wednesday before coming back on December the 7th to play Emory at the Mariotti Gymnasium. I want to give a big shout-out to the Columbus State Lady Cougars soccer team for reaching the Final Four. Their first Final Four game will be this Thursday, December the 1st, in Seattle. And I will try to watch that game online as... I'm looking forward to just seeing how far the Columbus State Lady Cougars, led by Emma Beto and Rachel Swigard and Lauren Barnes, they've just done an amazing job. What Coach Jay Intledge has done at Columbus State has been amazing. So the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars had a little bit of a Thanksgiving break, but the Columbus State Cougars will be back in action in Hickory, North Carolina, this Tuesday against Lenore Rhine. And you can catch that game on 88.5 Cougar Radio. Scott Miller does a great job with the play-by-play. And the Lady Cougars will be back in action against West Florida at 5.30 p.m., On December the 2nd at the Lumpkin Center, come on out and support your Columbus State Lady Cougars and Cougars basketball all season long. A big shout out to Allie Kerr. She has been named the Sports Information Director. I have worked with Allie on the broadcast for Columbus State Soccer, and really she has given me an opportunity to fill in, when needed, with Columbus State Athletics. Still, that dream of calling a baseball game with Scott Miller could possibly be there as uh, she does a great job. So I just saw that on Columbus State Cougars' website. So congratulations to her. I'm excited about that. Well, I think it's about that time to bring on my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll be right back with Corey. We are back on the show And uh, back from a long Thanksgiving break is my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank. I hope that you had a great
1: Thanksgiving. I know I did. It was a phenomenal Thanksgiving. I hope you had a fantastic one with your family, Richard. All right, let's get into the sports because
0: I always enjoy this time of the year because we had some incredible matchups in college football, including Michigan and Ohio State. On paper, it looked like Ohio State was, if not the best team in college football. They had everything in front of them to make it to the college football playoff, and Michigan punched them in the mouth at the horseshoe. This was the most shocking game this entire week, Corey. I I don't know how you felt about this game, but really, Michigan has just put their – Yo, know, did you see at the end of the game they actually put the Michigan flag on the the middle of the of the 50 yard line? I mean, Michigan right now, uh, they're they're calling for Ryan Day's uh job. I mean, he's he's lost to Michigan
1: in his last two games. It's truly incredible what this Michigan team pulled up in the upset against this Ohio State Buckeye team. This year's victory came like you said in an unexpected And not just because Michigan was more than a touchdown underdog entering the regular season's finale, but there were questions about star running back Blake Corum, who hurt his knee against Illinois last week, Richard, the week prior. Corum began the game with his left knee in a brace. But after rushing twice on the the Wolverines' first three plays, he never returned. So that was an interesting part of the game that we didn't know that was going to happen in effect. But when it was placed squarely on the shoulders of quarterback J.J. McCarthy, he responded with a performance unlike seen from any other Michigan player. McCarthy threw for 263 yards and three touchdowns, rushing for 27 and another score as he kept Ohio State Guessing all game long. In the second quarter, McCarthy hit Cornelius Johnson on a short throw to the sideline. But Johnson broke right out of that tackle and took off 69 yards to the house. On Michigan's next possession, McCarthy again looked at Johnson throwing deep over the middle and hitting him in stride. In the secondary for a 75-yard score. Coming out of the half, He found Colston Loveland down the sideline for a 45-yard touchdown. But the quarterback, who had struggled to push the ball vertically all season long, was suddenly dropping dimes. That's something that we didn't see in the scouting report. And that's incredible. Now, on the Ohio State side, C.J. Stroud was stopped cold in the second half. The Buckeyes scored 20 points. And Stroud threw two touchdowns before halftime. But they were held to a field goal in the second half, Richard, with Stroud throwing a pair of interceptions. Now, this Ohio State team outgained Michigan 315 to 214 the first half. But with when it was all said and done, it was 124 yards on 10 carries that was rushing it and edging it out. The Wolverines flipped the script completely. Over the latter 30 minutes of the game, outgaining the Buckeyes 316 yards to 177. But with the edge on the ground, for 19 rushes, 242 yards, it was the first time Michigan pulled a victory off, yes, in Columbus, Richard, since 2000. Now that's incredible. And McCarthy had the game of his life. This win puts Michigan in the Big Ten
0: championship game against Purdue, which I believe, Corey, even if Michigan were to lose to Purdue, which I don't think they are, they're still going to be in the college football playoff. As for Ohio State, they've had a great season all year, one loss. Let's say we have chaos next week. TCU loses, USC loses in the Pac-12 championship. Corey, can Ohio State still get into the college football playoff?
1: It's very very possible because of the week and all these upsets that came along for the polls going into the week it's going to be a very interesting way of figuring out where this is where they're going to land all right let's talk about USC
0: because Caleb Williams might have won the Heisman with his performance against Notre Dame and the USC Trojans control their own destiny they got an impressive 38 to 27 victory over the Irish at the Coliseum, and now USC is ranked fourth in the AP poll. When the college football rankings come out, I expect USC to be number four, and if they beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship, they're going to the college football playoff. How impressed were you with the USC Trojans' performance against Notre Dame?
1: Extremely, because in this one, on that day, it really came down to it. This number six team, They avoided a similar fate that kept them at this point. It keeps them alive. Now ranking up to four with this victory over Notre Dame. Caleb Williams was the key Trojan in the victory, like you said, featuring several highlight plays, totaling touchdowns. Now the sophomore quarterback made his case for the Heisman Trophy against a quality-fighting Irish defense. And they're known for their stout linebacking ability But senior running back Austin Jones also did plenty to contribute as he surpassed the 100-yard mark in his second game as the Trojans' featured back followed a season-ending injury to star back Travis Dye. But defensively, the Trojans gave up some big plays in the passing game but bottled up Notre Dame when it mattered most in the rushing attack, closing up those holes becoming stout on the defensive front, clogging it up, keeping it where it's been a physical game. Now, the Fighting Irish forced a punt and took possession when they were down 31-21 with six minutes remaining. But the USC defensive back, Kalen Bullock, jumped in front of a Drew Pine pass intended for star Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer and pulled down an interception with 4.56 remaining but facing a 4th and 2 on the subsequent possession, Williams kept the ball for a 16-yard touchdown to clinch this game. This USC team now enters, like you said, the Pac-12 championship game with an 11-1 record under first-year coach Lincoln Riley. Notre Dame, meanwhile, ends its first regular season under coach Marcus Freeman at 8-4. and four. And Caleb Williams, like you said, he stole the show and made his case, and he is definitely emerging as a Heisman Trophy
0: candidate. All right, Corey, let's talk about the Iron Bowl because Auburn had a game plan. Robbie Ashford actually played great, and I think that they were able to move the football on Alabama's defense, rush for over 300 yards against a Nick Saban-led defense, which is unheard of, but the turning point in that game was in that first half the muff punt which never touched the Auburn receiver that was the most egregious and horrible call why even go to replay I was so beside myself I just got on Twitter and I just ripped the officials because that was just unbelievable and it changed the momentum in that game because Alabama was getting the ball to start the second half and Auburn didn't have a chance if you want to actually put your rival out of the misery where Alabama's not even considered for the college football playoff, but that was just
1: awful. Did you see that call, Corey, in the Iron Bowl? It really was a questionable call. I personally didn't like that call either, Richard. All
0: right, but with the win for the Crimson Tide, they are in consideration for the college football playoff, which is unheard of, but we've had a two-loss team before. You'll win the national championship, the 2007 LSU Tigers. But thanks to Clemson losing to South Carolina and LSU losing to Texas A&M, Alabama, out of all people, we've written this team off because they lost two games. But you got to remember, Corey, the two games they lost were in hostile environments on a last-second field goal in Knoxville and then a two-point conversion in Death Valley. I can't believe I'm saying this, Corey, but the Alabama Crimson Tide are well alive for the college football playoff, especially
1: if TCU and USC both lose on Saturday. It's a scenario that we don't typically see very much. All these great Titan-like teams going down this week. But yes, in the Iron Bowl, the number 7 Alabama team topped Auburn 49-27, securing the 16th Straight double-digit win season. That's very impressive. The Crimson Tide have now won 12 for the last 16 meetings with the Auburn Tigers since 2008. But Auburn struck first to go up 7-0 the first quarter, but it was all Bama from that point. The Tide ripped off three straight touchdowns. A five-yard rushing score from quarterback Bryce Young. A 10-yard pass from Young to running back Jace McClellan and a five-yard run from running back Roy Dell Williams to take control that they would never relinquish, Richard. But it was really Auburn that did their best to stay in this game. Like you said, quarterback Robbie Ashford hit Javarius Johnson in the back corner of the end zone for a 20-yard touchdown to make a 21-14 game in the second quarter. But otherwise, Auburn's offense was decidedly one-dimensional, and that's exactly what can't happen when you play against such a stout defense like the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know they're lo- they're known for their secondary. You know they're lo- they're known for their linebackers and their gap fillers. That's what they do. So as we see this, the case earlier in that game, three straight touchdowns, but put it out of reach, following Johnson's score. Young hit Ja'Cory Brooks for a 32-yard score and Sean Holden for 27-yard touchdown. They closed up the first half. At that point in time, they were up and they were stretching it to the second half. They had a 42-14 lead. Young, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, an NFL draft-eligible junior, likely played his final game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Richard, he finished the game with 343 yards passing, with those three touchdowns and one interception. Now, Ashford had a very tough game, 11-23 for 20, for 77 yards and one touchdown, adding 121 yards rushing and two more scores on the ground. And that's where it came to life, the fact that he a dual-threat quarterback. In this game, he was looking like more of an agile quarterback that got shifty and used his legs. And yes, I really do think this is Bryce Young's last ride in Brian denny Stadium. He went out with a bang. He had his ability to go through progressions very well, under duress, with a clean pocket, and he was immaculate.
0: Corey, let's switch gears and talk about the World Cup because we have a very unique experience with the World Cup played at Qatar, and it's being played right around the holidays. Thanksgiving, it was incredible. Me and my uh, nephew-in-law were actually watching the World Cup. He's a big Brazil fan. We were watching Brazil and Serbia, Portugal and Ghana. And this is an experience that I don't think I'll ever get to experience in my lifetime because this is the only time where we've had a unique moment in our history where the World Cup is going to be played in November and December because of the temperatures in Qatar in the summer. It gets up to like 120. It's not any conditions for people to play soccer But are you intrigued by the fact that the World Cup is actually going up against college football? And by the way, the U.S. England game on Friday had about 20 million viewers on a USA television network. It was the most watched game in group play for the United States on an English based television network. Corey, I mean, I'm excited about the World Cup. The United States takes on Iran tomorrow and they have to win that game to advance out of the group
1: it's truly incredible that at this point in time right on thanksgiving time it's very sentimental for us americans to have a soccer program especially at this point in time and it's a world cup play like you said in conditions that normally doesn't have it play like this but because of Qatar's weather that's what happens like you said richard the u.s need to beat Iran. ron to get into the next group play. And that's something that we haven't seen very much. And this is a sentimental time for our country.
0: Corey, as always, thank you so much, Jess, for bringing your insight and glad just to be back talking sports with you here on a Monday.
1: Absolutely, Richard. Always a pleasure.
0: That was my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank. Thank you once again for listening to us here on WQEE. And uh, stay tuned for next episode as we will be live from Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill. I'm so excited about that. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we will see you next time. Bye.
1: You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe.